Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James. How's it going, James? What's up, haters? <laughs> uh, today, we are talking about Yuppie Psycho. Yes. Uh, this one, like, I was looking forward to it, and it flew under the radar. I think for everyone else, like, this super flew under the radar. Like, no one's heard of this game. Mm-hmm. No one's played it. Uh, and it's kind of a shame, because it's pretty cool. Yeah, I had never heard of this game, never heard of this developer, uh, no clue. And now <laughs> I find there's a lot to dig into. There's some good stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, I played their previous game called The Count Lucanor on Switch, and uh, it was a great little game. And that's another game that nobody's played. So, uh, yeah, I looked forward to this one a lot. Yeah, for sure. So before we get too deep into it, as always, this episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness, sign up to support the show directly and get extra content. And as always, zero brightness is a game club. At the end of every episode, we tell you what we're playing next so you can play along with us you can jump in our discord and talk to us about whatever uh Mm -hmm. i just revealed some uh exciting bath products i use to smell good in there um (laughs) literally moments before we started recording so there's all sorts of uh good stuff but he will not reveal his ancient hummus recipe (laughs) i gotta you know you don't just you don't just drop that out there that's like a reveal you got to figure out how (laughs) how you're going to disseminate that's important info you got to be invited to the cookout first (laughs) then you get the hummus recipe the funny thing about that is like monica got it from my mom and then like started making it and Mm. it took a while to figure out the exact like method there's like some street fighter button combo shit (laughs) that you have to do with like the food processor and like adding Mm. adding water and because like the thing too is if you've never had good homemade hummus like Mm -hmm. you don't know what it's supposed to be like for sure uh because the store-bought stuff is fine but it's not right like the first Mm -hmm. time i ate store-bought hummus i was an adult and i was like what is this (laughs) it's a texture thing yeah it's a texture thing and there's a bit of a taste thing too because it's usually like pretty processed so the taste is like too strong and i don't know exactly how to describe it it's almost like it's too bright like to use a Mm. music term like there's something about it that's like this is supposed to be a little less like intense you know well i think they skimp on the tahini too yeah or they use like shitty tahini yeah because tahini kind of has like a dull nutty taste yeah and like uh that's kind of what hummus is supposed to have like it's supposed to taste like the like the tahini but Mm -hmm. yeah the just the normal even like in minneapolis we have a local brand i don't know how widespread it is like it's really huge here but the dudes are from here so it might be only here but it's called holy land Mm, Um, yeah and like holy land is probably the best that's the best store brought like any arabic stuff you can get probably at like a big supermarket Mm. but like it's still weird like the first (laughs) time i had it i was like this is weird and i think that at least in minneapolis like that brand really sort of like colored how people view like 
all those products and so sure. it's hard to explain and then there's way worse shit like they're like sabra that shit is fucking garbage or like <laughs> you know you get every store has their own brand now like you can get aldi brand or whatever brand and it's all like okay but mm-hmm. it's just like weird like it's just not even it's almost not the same thing being to <laughs> yeah so it's like fine like i'm not saying that it's like like burn it all or something but it's just weird yeah. so when you learn the right way to make it at home it's kind of hard if you've never had the real thing to tell when you get it right but when you get it right it's like holy shit the first time monica yeah. like nailed it it was like that was a that was a moment it was definitely <laughs> like chariots of fire was playing and like confetti was falling from the ceiling oh man yeah pull out the sparklers yeah yeah <laughs> exactly or maybe yeah maybe not chariots of fire maybe like i don't know some like old piece of arabic folk music was playing and confetti was falling <laughs> from the ceiling yeah perfect right. i'm just setting up an audio gag for myself obviously mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, well speaking of good hummus <laughs> yuppie psycho okay so Okay, Yuppie Psycho, 2019 release, developed by Baroque Decay. Yeah. Uh, From what I understand, there's very little information about this developer out there on the internet. And I don't use Twitter, so I'm not going to use Twitter to find out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it's a real small team of people from around the globe. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming it's just like one or two people in development, maybe an extra person is an artist, and then another person is a musician. So yeah, uh, so I I found an interview with the dude who started Baroque Decay. Oh, cool! And who is listed as at least in this interview as a creator of Count Lucanor and Yuppie Psycho. Mm. So it's this uh, Francisco Calvelo uh, is this person's name, um, and yeah, I think that they are more on like the art side, or and then they have like a colleague who does a lot of the coding named Maxime Kanar. And yeah, in this game, there's a musician listed as doing the music, which is so good in this game. Yeah, uh, definitely. And yeah, it's, it's a small team. It's a small company. It's really interesting because they have a super unique approach to making games. And it seems like all their games are in the same style. Yeah, well, it was interesting playing the Count Lucanor and then playing this because, like, in terms of uh, the engine and the way the game feels and you know, the way the dialogue trees work and things like that, it's it's so similar to the Count Lucanor that it's kind of shocking. But then the two games have such different styles like Yuppie Psycho is modern. You're in an office building, and the Count Lucanor is like you're in like an old mansion, uh, like and it's like spooky with ghosts and stuff. Uh, the the art styles are so like diametrically opposed that it it makes it feel like a completely different experience. Right. Well, and this game is interesting because, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of Lone Survivor. Mm, like, sure. It, yeah. It's got kind of a pixelized look to the characters and like the things that appear on screen, but there's also a lot of like really, really beautiful 16-bit style uh, pixel art. Um, yeah. You know, there's tons of really expressive character portraits and like really well-rendered enemies and like sort of key characters. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really cool. It's kind of funny. Your protagonist is actually probably the derpiest, lo- like <laughs> most pixelated character in the game. Yeah, it, it's sort of a mix between two art styles because the gameplay that you're playing is kind of that like Atari on crack look where the characters are all like very skinny, like their arms are one pixel wide and this, so they have like stick arms and stick legs and just like dots for eyes, like no facial features or anything. But then the portraits and cutscenes are like a pixelated but super stylized like anime style. Yeah, it's like 16-bit anime cutscene. It reminds me a lot of uh, Wolf Snatcher, like the intro to Snatcher, mm, obviously sure. has the same style. But there's also a game, I think it's maybe called Metal Warriors for the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah, yeah. That had That's LucasArts, yeah. Yeah, it had those super detailed like anime cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got that look to it. Um, it's super cool. I love the way this game looks. And I think it's important to, like you said, to bring up that there's like these really cool cutscenes and character portraits and stuff that really make everyone feel a lot more like expressive and they f- feel more like well-rounded as characters because you can like see their face, you know? Yeah. And going with that, uh, the writing and dialogue in this game are pretty hilarious. So good. And, and the characterizations are just great. Yeah. Like your character, uh, Brian Pasternak, he's kind of like a super derpy, kind of like a salary man on his first day. Mm-hmm. His glasses fog up, you know. And then there's like, you know, of course, like the girl next door, Kate. But then there's like a, a, der- a derpy office mate, Hugo. And then there's a guy, um, kind of like jock dude that like looks down on you and calls oh, you yeah. peasant. His name's you know, Tony. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, so many great like major and minor characters that like flesh out this cast and make it real feel really like almost sitcom-y, but in like a horror way. Yeah. Well, okay. So this is a good segue into talking about how this game is a survival horror game, but it has, it seems to have almost none of the trappings of survival horror. Like when you first look at it. And Uh even when someone, someone recommended this to us in our discord and I had never Mm -hmm. heard of it. And when I watched the trailer, I was like, this looks great. Is this a horror game? Like, I don't know. And then like, once you start playing it and get a little bit in, you're like, oh, holy shit. This is like a really crazy fucked up horror game. And even like gameplay wise, it's a hundred percent a survival horror game, which we'll get into, but it's just funny that yeah like your first introduction to all these characters you're like this feels like a weird sitcom or like some sort of like comedy drama or something mm-hmm. or like when uh the pc adventure games like we're dialogue heavy and we're trying to be funny like a sam and max or something like that yeah totally yeah. but then once you get into the heart of the game it's like pure survival horror yeah and so my spin on this is like Cause it's kind of hard to describe what this game is mm-hmm. like nuts and bolts, but my spin on it is that this game is to survival horror. What like legend of Zelda is to RPGs. Yeah. So it's like a top down action game with super heavy survival horror elements. And the survival horror gameplay is basically like the vehicle for like the legend of Zelda top down action adventure feel. Right. No, I think it's a really good way to put it. Yeah, like it's a it's a 2D game that has that same like three-quarter from above viewpoint that Zelda had, all the classic 16-bit RPGs had. 
um except you know the gameplay instead of being like those games is survival horror so Mm -hmm. you can't fight enemies you know there's no combat uh you have limited saves you have you know limited batteries for your flashlight uh you're basically going into like dangerous areas and trying to you know find whatever items or you know story items that you need to collect Mm -hmm. and just avoid enemies and the game is really tense and scary yeah there's a lot of shortage of items too like you're always scrounging for items like you always need some like water so you can make some instant coffee because coffee is basically the health packs in this game yeah um but yeah you're always like rifling there's always like that feeling of like shit i don't have enough healing items yeah totally and i well i think it's just so cool that they actually managed to do that in this style of game Mm. like i think anyone looking at this game maybe from a trailer screenshots whatever might be like how is this scary or like how is this tense or whatever and it's like no dude they fucking do it like yeah the art is really good um the aesthetics are great like the enemies are super scary uh and yeah you're always down like you're always you know short on healing items short on batteries you're short on you know items you need to beat bosses like all this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and i do think that the choice to remove combat was actually really good uh oh for sure early in the game i wasn't so sure like i was like ah this is kind of annoying but then like it makes you be so strategic and actually use the game's systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's you know just going with that, there are more survival horror similarities. You have to basically like combine items a lot. Like you'll find cheese and you'll find bread, but if you put them together, you can make a cheese sandwich. Or if you take that cheese sandwich and put it in like the panini press in in the break room, you can make like a really good sandwich that'll heal all your health. That reminds me of like the uh, the inventory games in like Dino Crisis. Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of puzzle based exploration, mm-hmm. um, and it's not as simple as remakes like Resident Evil Three remake, where it's just like get item to open door. Yeah, um, there's there's generally like several layers to getting to the solution, which is cool. The puzzles are really good. Yeah, um, absolutely. You pretty much have to stop and think before every like the end of every major area in this game. And but it's not like brutal or anything either. No, no, it's just like you got to actually think, which I think is cool. Yeah, uh, I also really like the structure of this game, and I think it's very survival horror. It reminded me mm-hmm. a lot of like the Resident Evil remake, where mm-hmm. it's kind of open ended and it doesn't always tell you what to do. Um, and there are certain areas that you can like kind of do out of order or you can like do yeah. there's like side quests and optional stuff i really like that because there's you know a few different points in the game where it doesn't tell you what to do and so you literally just like are like well i haven't been to the second floor yet i'll do that and you go down there exactly. and you're like, oh right. fuck there's a sandwich maker shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know it's really really fun to explore in this game it does reward exploration and wandering a lot yeah 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 and i think it's partially because it doesn't tell you where to go all the time yeah um it also does have just like in classic survival horror 
annoying gimmick-based bosses. Yeah. Um, luckily, there's only like two of them, maybe, in the whole game. And you could save right before them. You might die five times, but then you'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, these are probably like the worst part of the game. Uh, and it's... Yeah, I think especially once you figure out how to do them, you take mm-hmm. an even dimmer view of it. Because, yeah, <laughs> like I definitely had that experience with the two... Two or three, I can't remember. Um, yeah. Like, kind of major bosses in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, like, I kept dying, and I figured out what I had to do, and I went and did it in, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's also a lot of uh, stealth and hiding, um, which is generally optional, but it definitely helps your uh, lack of healing items. And there, uh, there are multiple endings, too, depending on like how many friends you save. And there are even a couple like really early joke endings. Like right at the beginning of the game, you could not sign the contract and leave. And oh, then, sure. like, that counts as an ending. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. That like uh, clock tower slash near automata type. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they were never seen again. <laughs> Roll credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also uh, a bunch of collectible tapes. Yeah. There's a, uh, a video club in the game. Uh, a couple people from the company are in it and they make little uh, indie horror movies so you can collect these VHS tapes all over the building and uh, play them in a specific room and you get all these funny little movies Yeah, it's pretty cool yeah I loved it it's also just one of the many things in the game that kind of makes you realize that the people who made it really do like love horror movies and love pop culture and that kind of stuff so it was a nice yeah, little touch totally so this game has like um an interesting feel between like sitcom comedy but then it'll show you like real moments of like stark horror like dead business people everywhere and yeah. then like people's people like naked people worshiping like a god of marketing yeah you know, and like a pool of blood and shit um a lot of times that can be kind of stupid, like mixing the comedy and the horror. But I think it just works so well for some reason here. I don't know if it's the pixelation or just like the great dialogue or whatever, but it just works so great here. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, well, it's partially the writing is great. And it's partially that the art is really, really, really good. So mm. like this game really nails that like 2d pixelated horror thing which is like it's a combination of good design and good animation and also kind of knowing how to like set up a scene uh Mm, it's something that you can almost do more effectively in 2d than in 3d because you have such a strict like control over the player perspective Mm -hmm. and like it's not something every game nails so like you know i think lone survivor does it super well i think uh blasphemous did it super well you know obviously but then like uh that claire game that we played like i don't think it did it very well no not at all you know and so it's like it had some moments but that's about it yeah exactly and so i think that like this game just nails it so Mm. when you see those things it's really really like kind of off-putting and gross yeah uh, in a good way and i also think too that having endearing and funny characters just raises the stakes 
of the game, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. Another interesting thing in that same interview I found is that um, the dude is like listing a bunch of influences. It's all the exact stuff you would imagine, just like classic survival horror. But then mm-hmm. a little curveball at the end. Uh, and I quote, but I think our biggest inspiration is deadly premonition. Oh, really? <laughs> yup. Nice. So I think that you can tell that they picked up the strength of that game being that like it has these great characters that are really endearing and well-written or like really off-putting and gross and then because you have that connection to them you can do more with the story and make the player feel like uh, more invested in the characters that's really cool yeah Uh, a couple kind of references that came to mind for me and they might not have anything to do with the game at all but uh there's a uh, made-for-TV movie by Wes Craven called Invitation to Hell, and it's about a like kind of like a businessman dad that takes a uh, a deal in the suburbs in this like really nice kind of like gated community suburbs to work for this company that ends up being satanic. Um, that's a pretty shitty movie, but it was an interesting <laughs> watch. I've never heard uh, of that. Yeah, it's on Amazon or something, and of course, The Omen Three, where mm. the uh, Damien becomes like a politician and businessman. Sure. <laughs> and uh, th- I, there's a scene in this game that's like straight out of uh, being John Malkovich. There's like a half floor that you like crawl through. Like, I think it's like thir- uh, the seven and a half floor. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then th- there's a character that's kind of stolen from Astro Boy where it's like a somebody that dies and it's like reborn as a robot. Yeah. yeah. There's also like... Um, I don't know. I got big Brazil vibes from the way that they portray the office. Like there's a scene early in the film Brazil where it's just like a bunch of people rushing around in an office, almost like, Mm. like packs of animals. Like they just don't stop and they don't think or anything. And, Mm -hmm. uh, there's like a, uh, like third and fourth floor of the office building that are kind of both that way. Um, especially the third, I think it's the third floor with all the like, the people it's just like really dark and it's all these people just like trampling each other and running around. Yeah. Um, It's like a sea of fish. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you like that sort of satirical look at capitalism and office culture and all that kind of stuff that's prevalent in like a lot of like great movies and books, I mean, this game is going to push that button for you. Well, I was going to bring that up. Like this game deals with that, but not many other games do really. Um, like just the idea of the corporate desk job, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it actually brings up a lot of themes and, you know, since I work at a corporate desk job, like it kind of like resonated with me, but you know, just like the rat race mentality and there's like a, there's a clear deep seated classicism. Um, like basically whatever floor you work on, if you work on a higher floor than somebody else, it, it gives them the basically permission to like look down on you you know yeah um the way that companies are run clandestinely and how they make like strange bad decisions that don't make any sense to their employees right i mean Uh well there's god there's some really great world building too that it kind of hints at like what's going on outside of the office in this game Mm mm-hmm yeah. So we should talk a little bit about like the setup of this game and what it is, even before we talk about like characters or anything. Um, yeah. So there's a there's a kid named Brian. 
he got a, j- a job offer from this company called Centra Corp, and he didn't even apply for it. But uh, he just shows up for his first day of work. He's kind of from like the suburbs. He's he I think he calls himself like a hillbilly or hick once or twice. Sure. He shows up uh, for his first day of the job, and uh, that's like kind of how the game starts. You you start in the lobby and you right. start talking to other people. Yeah, and like so, even in the lobby, it's super cool because you get a little weird picture of how this world works, like. The world mm-hmm. in the game, uh, it's uh, it's basically like there's a, cl- a really strict class system that's all letters based. So you're yeah. like class A through you know whatever letter, uh, and Brian is a class G. He's like the lowest class person that's in that lobby, right? And that's what like he's talking to everyone else, and everyone else is like a higher class person who maybe like went to college or did things that they would like you know apply at a job like this but he didn't so he's like super nervous and like feels out of place uh and as the game goes on you get even a little bit more of that kind of like world building of what's going Mm -hmm. on but even just the way the company's portrayed like they don't know who any of the higher-ups are they don't even know who their boss is like in their office there's just like a locked door and they just can't (laughs) go in like it's so it's so great. Like, I love the way that it portrays X. It's like, yeah, that's basically, you know, yeah. how things are. And it's just well, there, like, there's cameras everywhere, you know? Yeah. There's cameras everywhere that like seem to kind of have a mind of their own and like follow you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really interesting. It's just like a slight, very slightly exaggerated, uh, version of the real world. Yeah. So he shows up, Everybody else leaves. So he's stuck in the lobby by himself and he shows one of the cameras the job offer. And the elevator doors open and he goes up to like the CEO's office. Of course, no one's there, but there are all these cameras looking at him with uh, there's a contract on the desk. And you could either leave and get a game over or sign the contract yeah. and kind of start the game. There's also a trail of blood leading to uh, <laughs> bloody like smears of writing on the wall reading kill the witch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so once again, it's like if you play the game, you kind of immediately are like, oh, this is like horror, you know? Mm-hmm. I do think I will say I think it's a little bit disappointing to me that like the art for the game and like the trailer and stuff doesn't really play up the fact that it's a horror game. Mm. Um, not because I think that every game needs to do that, but I think that like a lot of the people who would cover this or the people who might be interested in this will just like skip it because they don't know it's a horror game. Well, I think that the title leads you to believe that it would be something like American Psycho, mm-hmm. where you play like a psycho businessman. Yeah. But that's not really the case here. No, this game is like the opposite of American Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> which is really good it's a, i mean it's a mark in its favor that you're not playing an actual yuppie psycho <laughs> yeah who is the yuppie psycho i don't, I don't maybe th- maybe hugo <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think there is one i think it's just a really catching name because it is a good name yeah well and one interesting thing too about the aesthetics of this game you know we talked a little bit about them earlier but like it's got this really big 80s vaporwave thing going oh, totally. on yeah 
so like the splash screen the title screen of the game and like a lot of the cutscenes have this very 80s like bright neon kind of look to them mm-hmm. and there's also like uh when you use the company's network you go into like a little virtual world that your character walks around in the Centronet. Yeah. And it looks exactly like that Macintosh two album cover, you know, that really popular like vaporwave yeah. album that you can find on YouTube. Mac uh, plus. Yeah. Yeah. Mac plus. That's what it's called. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's so funny. And also the game has a ton of like kind of yacht rock, like lounge music playing mm-hmm. during the like non horror parts. Yeah, great soundtrack. Yeah. The music in this game is amazing. It's kind of like half Yacht Rock and half like John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then half just like horror sounds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I just think it's super interesting that it's got this like this big 80s aspect. But it's it's a little bit maybe like misleading or weird that they chose to have all the promotional materials look like that. True. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess this game could use a, a little more, bit more love on the marketing side. Yeah. Because, again, sure. nobody's played this fucking game. Yeah, like, y'all should really play this game. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't feel like we should dive deep into the story here because, I mean, a lot of it's just, like, reading hilarious dialogue. Right. But um, essentially, you know, your office is on the fifth floor, and it sort of becomes your hub. And throughout the game, you get new missions and you end up going out to different parts of this skyscraper that you haven't been to and then just keep going back to your hub, stocking up, maybe checking the internet, talking to your friend on the internet, (laughs) things like that. And that kind of becomes the gameplay loop until later in the game where like shit really hits the fan. Right. Yeah yeah it's super cool like we were saying earlier it's just how survival horror it is um and it also you know it's if you're comfortable or familiar with i think like the resident evil remake you're gonna know what you're getting into i think this game has like a bigger world than that game and they do some like kind of interesting things to make the world feel really big and open uh for example there's one floor that's basically like being outside there's just yeah. a, there's just a forest in it yeah it's like the seventh or eighth floor there's like a forest and a graveyard and a river running through it yeah and there's like a merchant there too mm-hmm. uh and so it's super cool that like so any area you go to there's usually like a fast travel you can open up by yeah you'll find like air duct shortcuts things like that yeah, so if you open up air ducts, and sometimes you have to stack boxes so you can get mm-hmm. up to the air duct, like, if you do that, you can go back and forth to these areas, and it makes the whole building seem really huge, because, like, you can go from your hub world straight into that forest to talk to that, like, merchant, for example. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's it's super cool. Yeah, you're always just trying to, like, get more items, max out your items, maybe complete side quests if you feel like it, and, yeah, also advance the main story. It does give you a little bit of that uh, soulsy satisfaction when you find that loop back shortcut. Yeah. You're like, do the little Napoleon Dynamite fist bump in the air <laughs> to yourself, you know? Yeah, totally. It's a really, really good loop. 
And then uh, there's a little bit of like uh, Metroidvania gating along the way too. Like there are areas that you can't traverse because of poison gas. And um, later you can swim without breathing, things like that. Um, that kind of limit your exploration but make you curious to go back to those areas later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are also you know characters that'll teach you new skills. Like before somebody teaches you the skill of hiding under desks, you can't do that. So the, there are there are some like uh, like uh, power up based exploration gating, you know. Yeah, totally. And I, I liked how organic it all felt, though. Like mm-hmm. it didn't ever feel like I was hunting for a power up or like uh, you know some new piece of equipment or something. Yeah, I was just like trying to progress the story and then oh now i know how to hide under desks or yeah now i can breathe in the poison gas or like all that kind of stuff one thing you do have to really pay attention to what people say uh it's true this game is pretty obtuse at times i found yeah if you zone out through like an important cutscene, you might not know what the hell you're supposed to do next which can be a big problem yeah and even if like you're just in a conversation with someone and you don't catch like the important thing that they said Mm -hmm. uh then like you might get really stuck later uh so it's definitely a game that you have to pay close attention to what people say and what you're supposed to do and you definitely have to kind of be strategic about like when you stop playing it because like i definitely stopped playing it at a bad time and then like took a day off and came back to it and was like what (laughs) (laughs) so it's yeah you got to pay attention yeah all right so this brian kid shows up for his first day of work and it finds out that he's supposed to be a witch hunter and he's supposed to kill this witch and like his response to this is like panic (laughs) yeah (laughs) because he's just like this little dirty dude that has like no skills at all in terms of like hunting down supernatural terrors and murdering them right exactly Uh, it's a pretty funny setup yeah so just immediately you start thinking like who is this witch right and then so you meet a bunch of like oddball like goofball characters and like each one you're like is this supposed to be the witch (laughs) yeah totally um yeah there's some really great characters in this game uh Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so you said earlier, you kind of, it's like your buddy who you meet immediately, which is Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Hugo, who you meet not long after, who is like his evil office mate. <laughs> yeah. He's just kind of like a kiss ass, though. Like, yeah. you know, those kind of people. Yeah. But like, nobody likes him, and he's just like a huge asshole. Uh, and he's been there forever. Yeah. Like, quote, forever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, also in the same office, you meet Sosa, who is yeah. fucking cool as shit. She's basically uh, Helena Bonner, Bonham Carter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's one of the three people in the VHS tape club. So Yeah. She also looks like a Junji Ito drawing. <laughs> yeah, like, basically. She's just a Junji Ito character, and she's just like a weird creep horror fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's cool because like, there's a bunch of dialogue options in this game that I think can actually change your relationships to some of these characters. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because, like, you can not talk to Sosa or you can not 
t- like find the tapes and do certain things that I think would make you have like different dialogue with her, for example. I mean, only a monster wouldn't feed her kitties, though. <laughs> exactly, but it's it's cool. Like I think there's actually some. Once again, the dialogue in this game is really good, and there's some good like options for kind of exploring what you say to these characters. Oh, and the minor characters. There's the, there's this one guy. He's like a motivational speaker, uh-huh. and he walks around the the building on a horse. Uh-huh. He reminds me of like Ben Horn in season two of Twin Peaks when he loses his mind and like thinks he's a Confederate soldier. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> And so, like, yeah, they do these, like, weird motivational speeches where, like, everybody, like, chants that, like, they're scum, but they're trying to be, like, better. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. There's also like, oh man, there's a bunch of like uh, anonymous office workers mm-hmm. who like you don't learn their names, but you hear them talking or they'll like pop into a cutscene and say something, and they always say something really fucked up. Uh, but they also <laughs> always have the same uh, character portrait, and it's like there's like a male and female worker portrait, and they just look like they're so tired that they want to die. Yeah. And it's, like, so funny every time. Like, sometimes they layer the portraits together, too, if they're, like, chanting together. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, a gag that never gets old. I thought it was funny every time it happened. Well, my favorite caricature is the uh, marketing department. Oh, yeah. So everybody in marketing is, like, crawling around on all fours like animals. Yeah. And, and you have to give them good slogans so they follow you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you find a bunch of them like worshiping like a big red mouth with a snake tongue. Yeah. Like, oh my God, how great can that get? It's really good. But it's also yeah. hilarious because, like, beyond the obvious symbolism, uh, there's also like an in game explanation that's even funnier, which is that they're all just obsessed with like corporate work trends. And mm-hmm. so they all read in a magazine that doing yoga while working will make you more productive. So that's why they're crawling around <laughs> on all fours. Perfect. And yeah, they just end up being these animals that you have to collect to clear the fourth floor. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. It's just funny how like they mix like banality with the survival horror game. Like, okay, like the... Like, you need water to make coffee because that's your health, but, like, the the fucking water machines are always empty. Uh-huh. And, like, um, yeah, you're the you're the new employee, so you don't know that there's a panini maker, you know? Yeah. And, you know, just shit like that. Like, they just mix the banality of, like, office work life into, like, this horror. It's so good. Yeah, totally. Well, and one thing this game does really well that all, you know, good horror games do well is that it presents you with like an environment that seems relatively normal or somewhat familiar and then it totally like flips it on its head Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of really really great like turns in the game so like you'll just be in an office and it's like well it's you know it's kind of dark and dingy but it's an office and then suddenly it's like filled with bad guys or it's filled with poison gas you know later in the game it takes a lot of environments you're familiar with and like you know fills them with water and like fills them with enemies and does all this crazy shit um 
And like sometimes it explains why and other times it just doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's this one great scene before you fight the, uh, the second boss, the dot matrix printer. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going through like a cubicle farm. Like I used to work at Rackspace. Like I'm pretty familiar with a cubicle farm, but then it like starts getting like weirder and weirder. And like the cubicles are like piled on each other. And they're like rotting corpses everywhere and stuff. And there's like a cave made out of cubicles. And you crawl in there and like the dot matrix printer like chases you in and like the floor falls out and you're in like the rec center pool filled with acid and stuff. Yeah. It, it, it's just become, yeah. It, it, I guess that is pretty like Gilliam like in a way. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Totally. And it's just so effective. Like whenever you enter these areas, they're really stark and like startling and really creepy you know Mm, like whenever you like when you first go to the area that's outside and it's like this dark and dangerous forest it's like geez what the fuck (laughs) like yeah there's like blood streaks on the ground there too yeah exactly or like uh there's a really weird section that's in like an art gallery yeah you know like reminds me of you may nikki yeah that part is super you may nikki um, it's really like if someone said, you know, oh, like a survival horror game that's set in an office building, you would think of something that was really bland, like Clock Tower PS1's first scenario, for example. Right. Uh, but I think this game super avoids that by having so much color and so many interesting things going on within these environments and just like making them really cool and creepy throughout. Yeah, and it, it ramps up the absurdity of like really fast. Like once you get to your office at the beginning of the game, um, not long after you're like chased down this hallway by this like killer file cabinet thing. There's just like corpses hanging from the ceiling, like evil within one style. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it just throws you into the deep end. And then it's just like bookended, like right next scene, like goofy ass Hugo's like bouncing towards you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's you know it's funny you bring up Twin Peaks and that you know the creator cited Deadly Premonition as such a heavy influence because it definitely does that Twin Peaks thing where one minute it's a goofy comedy and the next minute it's absolutely horrific. Yeah, like bloated corpses floating in a pool that you have to pop. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy, like how early it starts seeding these things. Like it waits to ramp it up, you know, like a good horror game does. But one of the first areas you have to go to is a library. And in the library, you have to like stick a pencil in an eye and like untie a corpse that hung itself from a railing and like all this crazy shit. And it's like, man, this is fucking dark as hell. (laughs) Like for a game that at first blush kind of looks like zombies ate my neighbors. Right. You know, it's fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. Can we get a water pistol, please? (laughs) Yeah. This is more like Godspeed you black emperor than zombies ate my neighbors. (laughs) Godspeed you black zombies ate my neighbors. (laughs) The mashup you never knew you wanted, but always knew you needed. Put on the sweetie glasses. Ephraim. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Well, so this game is really fucking good. And I love the (laughs) and I love the messaging and I loved most of the gameplay even. Like we're saying it's got a good loop, but 
it has some really shitty old school game design stuff in it Mm, okay you know and i think it's worth talking about that right like well okay yeah go ahead okay so there's two big ones for me that i didn't like uh one is that i think the bosses are kind of bullshit yeah i mean i will agree um the second one is cooler the dot matrix boss just because he's a dot matrix printer you know well and i remembered what the third boss is because you were like there's two and i was like i think there's a third one there is is a third third one one. it's the witch in the birthday party okay well you can't kill it you just have to avoid it and escape so i didn't really count that one but yeah that is a bullshit section and i did have to play it like four times so that's the thing it's it's a boss but you can't defeat it which is yeah kind of the same as the others because you defeat the others but you never fight them you know yeah uh, well this birthday party is fucking hilarious yeah because it's it's hugo's birthday party and you're like trying to escape the whole time because you don't want to be at hugo's fucking birthday party right but you keep, you keep getting like sucked into these like dumb little side quests oh yeah. like you have to set all the plates up or you have to like collect all the cheese sandwiches or whatever yeah but uh, then like shit hits the fan and then like everybody's like bleeding from their eyes <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah then you have to like you basically have to solve a puzzle while you're being stalked by this enemy mm-hmm. um and the thing that sucks about it is that it's like the other boss encounters where it's sort of a puzzle boss encounter but you just have to cheese it there's no puzzle element to it like yeah there's the, a big boss and you have to kind of like coax it to one corner of the screen or one corner of the room so you can run back to the elevator and yeah. shine your light on the elevator so the IT guy can fix the elevator yeah and it's just kind of like frustrating and boring at the same time, which is not good. Kind of a time waster. Yeah. And so I sort of felt like all of these boss encounters had a little bit of that feel. I mean, that one clearly mm. being the worst. And like I said, I think it's a shame that once you know how to do it, you can just do it in 10 seconds. Like if, if there's two things to me that I think signal that a game like an encounter was not well designed, it's that. Like, if you can just go back and do it in 15 seconds because you know the trick. Mm-hmm. And when the game randomly gives you a checkpoint when it's never given you a checkpoint before, which that fight also does, <laughs> that means that the people who made the game knew that they, they made knew. They knew that that part was bullshit. And instead of fixing it, they gave you a checkpoint, which is fine. Like, I'm not, I don't begrudge them that, but it's like, we both know then. We, we both know. know. <laughs> yeah. We know you fucked up. So the other thing... Uh, after this section there's another thing that I didn't love which is that I think that after this section a major component of the game is made to be very 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 obtuse uh, Mm. which is specifically that after this component you can save your friends yeah and it's all like you mentioned earlier it's all optional it just contributes to like what endings are available to you depending on like if you save some or all of your friends Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that the game signposts this to you is like super weird and obtuse and the mechanic for saving your friends is also super weird and obtuse at, to the point where I'm not really sure if you would be able to do it 
without someone telling you how to do it. Yeah. Well, three quarters of the way through the game, um, after the birthday party, uh, the shit kind of hits the fan and you kind of have to re-explore a lot of the areas of the building and you would have to be really thorough to find your six friends again. But essentially you have to find all six of them and like unwrap them from cocoons that they've been wrapped in. Right. And then once you save all six, you can get the good ending of the game. But um, a lot of them are really hard to find. Uh, one in particular is like down a hallway you hadn't been down since the very beginning of the game. Right. I never would have found that guy if it wasn't for a guide. Yeah. So that aspect of the game, I just didn't like because I don't like strategy guide bait. Um, talk about this a lot on the show, but people still seem to like question me on this. I just don't like <laughs> anything in a game that you couldn't reasonably figure out on your own and you would need a guide. <laughs> um, luckily, this game is a year old and there are guides online. I would say I would probably suggest you use a guide for the end game i think most of the game you can explore around and have fun without a guide i started using a guide at the birthday party Mm. because i was just doing i figured it out but i was doing so bad that i was like is there a better way to do this and then i i was like no and i was like okay i'll just do it 10 times and then (laughs) in the guide it was like oh save your friends and i was like how the fuck do you do that and i read it and i was like there is no fucking way i would figure that out (laughs) Well, it is like an in-game reward, and the bad ending's not so bad. Right. So, yeah, it is a re- like a reward for people that really want to scour the map. I would say items do get like really scarce towards the end of the game here too. So, if you fuck up that birthday party, um, like you might fuck up really bad. Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of one of the things I think is in the good column for this game is that it is really survival horror. Like, and and that's the thing. I mean, this game to me is like, if you mixed lone survivor. Yeah. And like, like an old Zelda game, like links awakening and like dino crisis (laughs) meets like, uh, dead alive. Yeah. Peter Jackson. Totally. Like, it has this strange mix of elements. And so it really is like an early survival horror game. Like to yeah. the point of having stuff that's like weird and inconvenient to you. Um, but that's actually something that I liked about the game. I just didn't love the really, really obtuse stuff later in the game. Because like mm. I said, I just don't know how you would find that stuff without a guide. Totally. And I think going with, you know, the good here, the the whole corporate world um, environment is just seems like unplundered and fresh for video games, yeah, especially horror games. So, I mean, just having that kind of background makes this game a unique experience. For sure. Well, and I love the way that they approach it, too. Like you said, it's it's unexplored it's fresh no matter what but they also took a really cool aesthetic spin on it so it's clearly not just the aesthetics are from the 80s but also like the messaging you know like oh yeah it's got that sort of like gordon gecko greed is good meets that really infamous uh like manga explaining how business works do you know what i'm talking about (laughs) no 
uh, look it up. There's like this manga that was like really popular for a while. That's like explaining how to get ahead in business. Uh, oh, really? It's just like really funny and it's super eighties. Um, nice. And so they mix that with like yacht rock and vaporwave visuals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just is something that's so cool and interesting. Cause your character is also very modern and very like apart from all of that. Like he's like, I don't care. I don't care about any of this. Right. Like I just want to live, but he's in this environment where everyone is like obsessed with getting ahead and obsessed with like raising their class status and all this stuff. It's a really fascinating setup. Yeah. It's, it's really a shame that this game hasn't been uh, picked up and talked about. Yeah, totally. I mean, if people can write like a billion think pieces about the economics of animal crossing, I think they can write (laughs) something about this game maybe yeah and like it's not even like it's getting middling user reviews too it's got an overwhelming positive on steam yeah it's just like nobody playing it or talking i don't know it's so weird man i don't it's because all all the kotaku writers are busy writing about resident evil 3 remake being disappointing No, I think everyone's busy writing these Animal Crossing think pieces. Like, I can't be the only one who is really fucking sick of the Animal Crossing think pieces. I mean, it's cute and all, but I just don't really care that much. Is it? <laughs> is it cute? Yeah, it's cute. They Trying got to map. And shit. What's funny? No, no, not the game itself. The fucking think pieces. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. If I read one more, like, is Tom Nook actually good? Or, like, is Tom Nook evil? Or, like, am I bad? Or am I fat shaming my Islanders? Like, I don't need another fucking think piece like that in my life, man. He's clearly evil. He's your landlord. (laughs) Just, like, Google Animal Crossing essay and, like, just read some of this (laughs) shit, man. It's like, I know everyone's going nuts in quarantine, but, like, maybe maybe do something else join my animal crossing socialist paradise paradise (laughs) we all share fruits (laughs) i just feel like animal crossing is a really sweet and pure experience that people are using to relax and i feel like the think pieces are not helping Mm. i saw this one about like the hamster being like a 4chan incel interesting (laughs) see (laughs) see this is what i mean like i get why someone pitched that and why their editor was like okay or whatever but then like for someone maybe they're just trying to relax maybe they like that freaky hamster (laughs) 4chan amtara for that person i don't think that article would help them relax no not at all i'm really into trying to relax so yeah, Yuppie Psycho. What a game. Yeah. Uh, just for visibility, I'm giving it four stars. <laughs> I think it's great, and everyone should play it. Like I said, it has its problems, and it is very much an early survival, like a classic survival horror game. So mm-hmm. it's going to have stuff that you maybe find off-putting or isn't the most player-friendly. You'll uh, die. You'll Your die. protagonist is squishy. Yeah. Totally. You might get lost. You will get lost. Mm-hmm. You gotta uh, look up that strategy guide at least once. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't fear the strategy guide. It's fine. Don't fear the Reaper. It's good. It's great. Uh, yeah. yeah, I love this game. I think everyone should play it. 
Boom. Game club. Game club. What is next? Oh, speaking of relaxing, <laughs> we're going to have a little calming trip down memory lane with Disaster Report 4, Summer Memories. Yeah. God, I've got that title song music stuck in, stuck in my head right now. Oh, hell yeah, dude. It's just so chill. What I did on my summer vacation by 7 Seconds or whoever wrote that album. It's uh, Bouncing Souls, you ignorant moron. Bouncing Souls, how I spent my summer vacation. Classic skate punk. Fucking listen to it. Just who who imagined like mass casualties, you know, buildings falling over, people dying, children dying. How that could be such a relaxing video game experience. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's a really confusing game. <laughs> Tune in next week for that one. It'll yeah. be quite the ride. Oh yeah. And after that, you're welcome everyone. We're playing Night Cry. Will Ollie cry in the night? <laughs> so I want to try playing this game with everybody. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to try and coordinate within our Discord me streaming the game and then having mm. people talk to me while I play it because there's literally no other way that I will actually play this game. It is such a fucking terrible game. <laughs> And unless I have some friends with me to hang out, I won't... I'm not going to finish it anyway, but I won't even play more than two minutes of it. Like, unless someone is there to roast this game with me. Uh, (laughs) So I'm going to try. I'm going to try this kind of, like, interactive way. So if you're not in our Discord and you're listening and that sounds fun to you and you want to hang out and play video games with us, please join our Discord. Uh, This is going to be happening. It's happening. And maybe Ollie will finally get his uh, Monster Energy drink sponsorship that he always wanted. Oh, you know that I love the fresh taste of Monster. Yeah. Actually, fun story. Hold on. Let me tell the story. Okay. So I've only ever drank a Monster Energy drink once in my life. Poser. I am. I'm not a gamer. A real gamer. A G4M3RZ. I'm just a sad poser uh but i only drank monster energy drink once and it is because so i've told the story before about how i had double pneumonia and i almost died uh (laughs) related to that so after i passed out on my uh on my front porch and in the middle of winter and almost died that way was dragged inside by my roommates and slept for almost 48 hours (laughs) uh i woke up and i was like i have to go to the doctor but nobody was around nobody could take me so i decided to take myself to the doctor it was a bad idea because it was like a really bad minnesota winter so it was like zero degrees and i had pneumonia and the walk to the shared car that we all used in the house pretty much almost killed me and I made it into the car and I sat in the driver's seat and I was like, oh my God, I'm so thirsty that I could die. Like, you know, when you're like really, really sick and you're just like, if I don't drink something right now, I'll actually pass away. Yeah. Uh, That's what it felt like. Uh, And so I was like looking around the car. I was like, maybe I could stop somewhere, but I was like, I don't want to get out of the car again. It's too cold. And my lungs are full of fucking fluid. Like Mm -hmm. I can't do this. And so I'm, I'm looking around the car and then I notice, and by the way, this car is fucking disgusting. This car is a 87 Mazda sedan that we all <laughs> shared in the house and everyone in the house was like a monster. So like, uh, no pun intended. Um, 
And so I'm looking around and I see there's a can, an unopened can of monster energy drink on the floor of the car. Just mana from heaven. And I'm just looking at it like, (laughs) I'm not actually going to drink that, am I? Of course, I fucking drank all of it. I chugged it in one go, like 16 ounces of monster fucking energy drink. And I almost threw up, but it gave me just enough energy to drive myself to the doctor, get that Z-pack of antibiotics, and um, proceed to not die. Well, thank you, Monster Energy Drink. So if that's not a fucking endorsement for Monster Energy Drink, literally nothing is. Jesus Christ. We need that endorsement now. We need that Monster Energy Drink bass drum on stage with another heaven. (laughs) Dude, I want that monster money. Give me that monster money, dude. Yes. Yes. Yes.